0: Welcome to the Creative Percussion Podcast. My name is Justin Mason, your host, and my guest today is Ryan J, who is the drummer for Crimson Riot. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Good, good. So, we all know that the <laughs> entertainment uh, field was shut down for a long time. Uh, what yeah, felt like yeah. years and years and years, but it was only Oof. about 16 to 18 months. And I know your band, Crimson Riot, just came off of tour, so... kind of give us an idea of what that was
1: like um well yeah uh, just go back a little bit so in in 2020 we had um we had about five different tours planned throughout that year and obviously they all got shut down so um so being able to get back out there uh get back on the road and, and play for people after, you know, uh, over a year was, mm-hmm. was an amazing, amazing feeling <laughs> to get back out there and do it. So, um, and people, we were, we were all over, we were, we were in like, I don't know, 12 states or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, everyone was just super excited to just have bands play again. You know, it was really right. just kind of a universal, uh, feeling for everyone, I think of just like, yes, bands are back. And, and, you know, we've got touring bands coming through and, and uh, you know, and everything is, is moving again. So I think that was a a real exciting uh, thing to see. And obviously, you know uh, with safety in mind, I mean, we, we, we had to, we had to really navigate carefully how we, how we did that. And that was kind of a a whole new, uh, a whole new venture in itself, uh, navigating you know uh through this pandemic stuff and all that trying to stay healthy on a tour um as i'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of bands big big national acts that are touring that are getting people you know people are getting sick and all that kind of thing so that was one of the one of the interesting things about this last tour
0: yeah and i can imagine you know even venues are going to have their rules, you know, you have to have yep. a negative test here or you have to be vaccinated and stuff like yep. that. And, yep. <laughs> you know, I'm seeing, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I grew up a wrestling fan. Okay. And I'm seeing um, a lot of promotions saying, look, you have to have a vaccination card or you can't get in to see the show just yep. for the safety of our people. Right. So, right. you know, you look at, just how much that's changed live music and I don't want to make this political, but um, you know, it's it's hard to see that happening to live music and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's the field that we are in. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. It but, made it challenging for sure. Yeah, because each each state has their own kind of right belief system and, and each venue has its own belief system and rules and all that. So But we just, you know, we just did whatever. We did whatever they asked, whatever was necessary. And, and, and of course, even in, even in a lot of the states that were, uh, some of the places that were just like, hey, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, we still, we still were super safe and careful, um, uh, on our own accord to, you know, to be able to continue our tour. So, so we're just super safe and everyone was cool. No one, no one harassed us for, anything or you know what we were doing or you know our safety concerns so it was cool it was good
0: yeah and it's just it's great to see live music coming back i was oh, yeah. i was talking to to Sherry earlier mm-hmm. today who is Kevin's wife who is the yep. owner of Creative Percussion for those who don't know and um we were talking about she she just got the uh podcast put up on the website for people who navigate the website to be able to see it on there And we were talking back and forth and I said, yeah, it's been kind of hard to nail people down now to do interviews because everybody's back on the road. So I'm glad to see it, but it's (laughs) kind of making the podcast suffer a little bit. So sure, sure, sure. So with this being the creative percussion podcast, um, I do like to focus on creative percussion podcasts as well as my guests. And um, so a question that I love hearing the answer to, because everybody has a different answer what is one thing from creator percussion that never leaves your kit no matter what
1: um well there's actually a couple things um and uh, well one in particular um is my my bass drum beaters mm-hmm. uh, my my pedal beaters i use yeah. um I use two different versions mm-hmm. <clears throat> um I use the cork hammer beaters yeah and uh, those are pretty much my standard one uh, when I play with crimson riot, um, I use one of the, um, exotic wood ones. Um, I forgot, shoot, I, what's it called? Extreme something. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it's a wood. It's a, it's a red painted wood and it's got like a, um, it looks like a, a black widow spider. It's red and it has a black hourglass on top. So it's like a reverse, uh, black widow spider. So those, those things are always, always with me, whether I'm playing my electric kit at home or, whatever kit I'm playing those are my those are my beaters and those never change right. um uh and then of course my favorite piece of all of all time and I've had it forever and it's so gross and disgusting now I should probably get a new one but uh it's the uh, the drum taco the yeah. drum taco is my favorite favorite piece um it's just so perfect and 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 versatile I mean it, it's such a cool thing like um I I I play in two different bands, actually. Um, one of them is a working band here in Vegas, so it's a it's a cover band, um, and so some of those venues are not very well um, soundproofed or, or sound controlled, or you know that kind of thing. So having that, having the drum taco be able to uh, utilize that in the different ways that it can be used um is a huge is a huge deal like one of the places we play on fremont street downtown it's outside Mm -hmm. and it's basically a big giant uh, concrete box so being able to control those snare frequencies is uh is super awesome um i've even used it on a floor tom before i had a floor tom that was giving me hassle with an old head and I threw I threw the drum taco on a floor tom, and it, boom, it was perfect. So I didn't have to put moon gel or any of that crap on there. Um, so yeah, the drum taco is definitely like the coolest thing. <laughs> I love that thing. I love it.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you on the beaters. One of my well, my very first order that I got, um, they had one of the last beehive beaters. On oh, the cool. Website. Okay. Nice. and i bought it and it never never leaves whether i'm you know playing a house kit with the church that i serve at or whether sure. i'm playing a gig out it goes with me everywhere so yeah yeah
1: i 100% agree with the beaters yeah the beaters are great man. i mean like <clears throat> i did a little video one day um <clears throat> when i was at a gig and i just kind of showed a couple of the things i showed the drum taco and the and the beaters um uh, but yeah i mean those those cork beaters cuz like with that particular gig that I was doing, um, <clears throat> I'm doing like three and four hour sets. Yeah. So to have a, a nice light beater that still has mega punch to it is a huge right. benefit for me for, you know, for playing that long. If you're playing that, you know, those those long, long gigs um, where my other band with Crimson Riot um i can use the heavier wood beater because we're playing shorter sets we're doing you know like forty five minute sets so mm-hmm. uh, it's much easier and 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 that one i'm looking for a different sound overall with that particular band so um that wood beater is just perfect man it's so it's so punchy and it's got a cool it just has a great great sound to it so i really love the way it sounds uh uh for for crimson riot it sounds really great so
0: Definitely. Yeah. So what is one thing that you know now as a drummer that going back to when you first started, you wish you knew then?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that's a long time ago. Okay. Um, let's see something that I know now that I wish I knew back then. Um, I would okay. So what I would say, and this is kind of weird, but I would say that the most important thing for me right now is is warming up, my warm up and stretching and all that. Um, I mean, when you're when you're a young kid, you know, you don't really have to do that so much necessarily. Um, but I do wish that I would have thought about that because even even like in high school, um, you know, when I was 15, 16, 17, in that range. um, I put a lot of stress on myself because I was just, you know, I was just a punk kid. I'm just like, oh man, I can just sit down and and play as fast as I want to right off the bat. And, you know, that probably wasn't a good idea. And I'd feel it at the end, you know, I'd feel it at the end of playing and, you know, you'd feel it in your shoulders and your elbows. And so, so I think I think if I would have thought about that then about the importance of warming up and, and stretching, I think, I think that's probably something I would have, I would go back and tell my younger self, if I could time travel like that or whatever. So.
0: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I have, I keep a pair of marching sticks with me just okay. to have that extra weight to do a work okay. with. Sure. Um, sure. So it's great that's, that's that's I'm, I'm only, I'm in my thirties right now. But okay. I completely agree. After I've been playing for seventeen years, nice, and it's, nice. that has become a big part of just the last five years for me. Just warming up my wrists, keeping yeah. everything loose, yeah. and so I completely yeah. agree with that.
1: Yeah, and especially you know, especially if you're if you're doing if you're you know if you're in like a a cold climate, you know, if you're if you're playing in you know Chicago or somewhere where there's snow or something like yeah. that and it's, you know, it's freezing cold. You got to get the muscles loosened up. You got to get them warmed up. You can't just, you know, walk in and, uh, walk into the venue and sit down and play with, I mean, it's just, it can't be good for you. I I can't imagine it would be good to put your muscles through that kind of thing. So I do think warming up is really good. And, And I, I've learned a lot of cool stuff from a lot of guys over the years, guys that I've played with or whatever, um, different drummers that have showed me like, Oh man, this is what I do when I warm up. And you know, I'm like, Oh, here's what I do. And so we like swap, you know, swap these things and, and, uh, it's cool. It's a cool thing. So.
0: So what was your biggest failure as a drummer and what did you take away from that experience?
1: Oh, okay. Well, and here's the thing. It's just weird. Cause I I can't really call it a failure Mm -hmm. because it didn't happen. However, um, I had, I was, I was a drum tech, uh, for my friend, Paul, who was in a, uh, very successful band, um, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, uh, kind of the end of the hair metal, uh, yeah. scene in, in Hollywood. And they got booked for this huge tour in Japan. Um, and, uh, they were playing with some other big bands. I can't remember who they're, I, I think they were out with like, um, like White Snake or Great White or one of those, one of those white bands, whatever. Anyway, it was a pretty big deal. And they were going to take me to Japan Mm. and um, uh, because they needed, they needed technicians out there. So they were going to take me and and another guy out to Japan to do that show. Well, I, uh, I ended up not going for the girlfriend that I had. She didn't want me to go. (laughs) So I didn't go. Right. So, Here's the crappy part. So a week into the tour, Paul the drummer, gets sick. He gets like super sick. Oh man. And if I would have been there, I probably could have played the rest of the tour and mm-hmm. then I would have had this like amazing credential of doing this big tour. And who knows if my life would have changed at all. But I don't yeah, like I said, I can't say it's a failure, but it's it's more of a regret, I think, that I didn't go because I would have had a really cool opportunity to not only help the band that I was working with get through the tour, but it would have given me that opportunity to, to do that, you know, to, to, to do that thing. So, um, but as far as, as far as failures go, I, I don't, I don't think there are, I think everything's a learning process. I think every single thing is a learning, whether good or bad, it's always a learning process. Um, and I think just life in general is that way, but drumming specifically, um, I mean, there were probably some, there were probably some, some people that I played with that weren't real favorable that I probably wouldn't have played with, um, right. if I thought about it, but you know, that's, that's just more opinion per se. But, um, as far as failures go, I, I don't really have any, I've, I've, I've been really happy with, with how my career's gone. I mean, uh, I would obviously would have liked to, you know, uh, had it go to a, another level. Um, but I'm, but I'm content and with, with what I've accomplished. I mean, uh, I'm coming up on 50 years old and I've been playing professionally since I was 12. I was doing studio work, um, getting hired for studio sessions at 12 years old and, yeah. uh, did a whole bunch of different stuff and played with a lot of people and traveled the country. And, um, it's been cool. So I really, I really can't say I've had really any failures per se in, in music. So,
0: <laughs> so the second thing that you would go back in time and do is tell your younger self to go to Japan instead of listening to your girlfriend.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no question, man. That is a huge regret. It really is. Yeah. And now again, I can't, I can't say for sure that anything different would have happened mm-hmm. as an out, as a result of that, but it could have potentially been a really great opportunity for me. Um, so it's, it, it definitely, I would have definitely told her, you know what, I'm sorry, I have to go and do this. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was, I was young and 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 stupid and you know, like we all are at some point. Um, and so, yeah, I just, that, that just happened, unfortunately, you know, and then of course, you know, a, a year later I break up with this girl and you never see her again. And so I'm like, Oh, What a mess that was. Oh, I know, dude. I know. It was so horrible, but uh, it is what it is. (laughs) It's all good.
0: So with the internet being so massive nowadays, Mm -hmm. we have so many resources to help us, not only as drummers, but there are so many resources for guitar players, bassists, all of that. Everything, yeah. Yes. So what were the best resources that helped you along the way when you were learning drums and, and even help you today because drums are one of those instruments that we're always learning. There's always something. New. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the best resources that have helped you?
1: Well, I think uh, early on um, when I was a kid, I uh, I would sit at the radio and kind of wait for these songs that I liked. And I had a little cassette tape, you know, in the stereo and I would try to record the song Right. Um, so then I could go back later and put on some headphones and, and, uh, and play along with the song. That's when I was, when I was pretty little, I was like, uh, probably six, seven, eight years old. Um, yeah. and I was really into, into these songs that I liked that, that I could hear the big drums, you know, I was a big fan of, uh, uh of journey at that time. Um, and S- Steve Smith, obviously, you know, was an incredible, <laughs> incredible player, Uh, But I would, I would record stuff off the radio. um, And then from there um, one, Oh, one of the really cool things that when I was younger, I think I was probably, I'm going to say like 10, 10 or 12. um, uh, An aunt and uncle of mine, they got me a subscription to modern drummer magazine. And they, they did that every year. They would renew that for my birthday for like, 10 years or something i mean it was like ever they they would renew the subscription and i read music i learned to read music really young so that was something Mm -hmm. that i that was really important to me so i would get these modern drummer magazines and they would have these you know they would have these the sheet music in there they would have these little charts or whatever of like these different guys like oh here's you know uh here's terry bazio playing this song here he wrote it out here's you know, Sonny Emery. Here's, um, I mean, just like all these cool dudes that, that, um, uh, you know, Bernard and and Neil Peart and like all these, all these people. And so, um, not only that, but a lot of times they'd put this little like funky plastic record. It was like a 45 single, but it was like, it was like cellophane. You ever seen that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so those would be in there too. So you could listen to the song as well and be like, oh man. And you could like look along with the music and like hear what's going on. And as you're reading the, the chart and yeah. that was like, I loved that. That was like, I got so excited when I, when my modern drummer came in the mail, you know, I was like, yes, there's the new one. And, <laughs> you know, cause there was no internet. So we didn't know it was coming. We couldn't, we had no, there was no resources. I mean, that was pretty much it. So when you got that, I mean, you really, you really ripped that thing apart because that was the only way you could learn about drummers, see new products, see music. I mean, that was pretty much it. So it was, that was a huge, a huge instrument or huge tool for me when I was younger. Um, and then, and then I think later on it was like, you know, VHS hot licks, tapes and DVDs, um, of these different guys playing, um, and then obviously you know now it's pff, the internet which is just ridiculous with with resource um right. that uh that drumio thing is incredible i mean dude i wish i had that when i was 10 years old Me i'd be too. the greatest drummer in the world you know what i mean it's <laughs> like the, like oh if i had that resource to be able you know cuz you see these kids you see these kids you know on the internet that are you know, 10 and 12 years old playing at this advanced level. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I, I, we didn't have that opportunity really. I mean, unless, unless you, you know, unless you were able to take lessons, you know, private lessons from one of these big guys, but, mm-hmm. um but yeah, the, the internet makes these kids ridiculously good very quickly, Um, which I love seeing. I love seeing young kids just shred and, and, and have groove. Like, how do you have groove when you're 10, you know, it's like, come on, like, that's crazy. So, but anyway, yeah. So those, those are a lot of the resources uh, for me um, throughout the years. So, (laughs) so that kind
0: of transitions kind of how you answered my question, that question transitions into the next question, which was who or what got you into the drums or was your biggest influence on the drums?
1: Okay. Um well my whole family my whole family are musicians so my parents my grandparents my aunts and uncles my sister blah, blah 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 for like generations um so music was in our family when when i was really young um you know it's kind of typical story of a drummer um you know i would go in, i'd be you know 3 4 years old and i would go into the kitchen and grab pots and pans and bang on them with spoons you know that story Um, but my parents really recognized it because they were musicians. And so they're like, this kid's a drummer. Okay. So, so at five, when I was five, I took, I took my, started taking lessons from a guy that was a symphonic percussionist. Um, so I think he was actually, he was a timpani, uh, timpani player or something, uh, in like a philharmonic or symphony thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, this guy, Ed, he was very talented. Um, so I started with him and just started learning rudiments and learning, you know, different different percussion things um, and, you know, rudiments and stickings and and proper technique and things like that when I was mm-hmm. really young. Um, and so I was kind of really into that. So I was listening to a lot of um, my, my mother's a piano player. So she, there's a lot of classical music in my house. Uh, growing up so I was really into listening to a lot of the a lot of the classical music and the big symphony stuff and I would listen to the I'd listen to the timpani and I'd listen to the snare drums and the cymbals and I would kind of just like absorb all that and so I was really into that for a while then (laughs) I got a little older and I'm like what's this radio thing in our living room we had the big giant console you know the big wood thing that's like 20,000 pounds and Mm -hmm. anyway so just one day it's probably like a Saturday morning or whatever, and, you know, cartoons are over. So I decide, I decide to take the dial and I go all the way to the left to like 88 or whatever. Yeah. And I start going like station by station. And I'm listening to all these different things as the, the, the needles moving and trying to find something that sounds cool. So I land on this like classic rock station and Journey is playing. Oh, man. And And I hear these big giant rock drums Mm -hmm. and I'm like, what is this? What I need to know what this is. So I leave it on this channel. And then, you know, it goes from a journey and Zeppelin. I think there was some, I don't know, deep purple or something. It was all that kind of that, you know, uh, late sixties kind of classic rock stuff, seventies. And uh, I was just, I was just like dumbfounded, like, oh my God, listen to that, listen to that, <laughs> you know, and I'm freaking out. And so, you know, I I dive into that and then I, I go to my my mom and I tell my mom, I'm like, listen to this, listen to this. And I said, I want to do this. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to play with all these, these flutes and all these people. I like this sound, like whatever's <laughs> happening here is what I want to do. So, um, uh, so that, so like, I don't know, like a year, I don't know, just, yeah, like a year later, um, they got me like a, like a full on drum set, um, Mm -hmm. at a yard sale. And so that I was just hooked, man. That was just, it was, that was it. And then it was, I just started, I, I got rid of that guy or I I shouldn't say got rid of him. I stopped taking lessons from that particular guy. Um, and I found, I found a new guy that was a rock drummer to teach me. So then I was like fully immersed into this like rock drumming and, and, and funk and, and you know, just like the whole, the whole thing. Um, and so I, I studied with a lot of different guys, uh, over the years and, uh, it, it was, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing to do that. So I have so many influences. Um, uh, Bernard Purdy one of my favorites, Neil Peart's one of my favorites, uh, Terry Bozio, who I mentioned, um, obviously Steve Smith. Um, and I mean, I got uh, so many, I mean, I think, I think everybody's an influence to some degree. Um, I can watch any drummer and learn something. Mm -hmm. Even if, even if it's somebody that's been playing two years, you know, somebody that just started even, or maybe has been playing a couple of years. It's interesting to watch, watch other drummers and kind of go, Oh, that was cool. Or wow. I never really thought about doing it that way or Mm -hmm you know, so there's always something going on. And what's really funny, actually, one of my favorite things to do is watch drummers that have no idea what they're doing. That's one of my favorite things ever, because I was, I was, I was so strictly trained as a musician that I have all these rules, right? Like there's these rules to music that we learn if you, if you grow up that way. So watching people that have no idea of like, musicality or anything. They're just playing. They're just playing. And I watch these guys and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, what what is that? What is this guy doing? Like that beat is nuts. Like how did he come up with that? Mm -hmm. It's because he didn't know any better. Right? They're jamming in their garage or something. The guy's just like okay, I'm gonna play like this and it's some crazy beat and you're like, (laughs) holy crap, that's cool. Um Yeah. So yeah, it's, 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 it's just really cool. I mean, I just love, I love watching different people play and, and like I said, you just absorb everything. I think that's the, that's the key really is just absorb every single thing you can from any, any drummer because everybody has their own thing. So it's a lot of resource.
0: Yeah. And I mentor drummers on the worship team of the church that I play a lot and also teach. So one thing that i tell my students or anybody that i come in contact with that asks me about the drums don't stick don't put yourself in a position where you're only listening to one genre of music because there are so many kids nowadays who listen to you know the top 40 which is mostly pop
1: right 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 right
0: so like for me I grew up with bluegrass and country being from Alabama. Cool. All right. And then my uncle introduced me to classic rock, you know, the stuff that that you mentioned and all that. And then I had a friend um, get me into metal and all this kind of stuff. So I was able to, like you said, be influenced by so many different drummers. Cool. And I get to take that and put that in my playing, even just doing right now, just doing worship music because Mm -hmm. the band that i played with we're kind of taking a break and everything so just doing worship music i get to still take some of that stuff that i learned and Mm -hmm. put it into my playing in a contemporary christian environment or something like that so
1: yeah and some of that stuff's pretty heavy duty man Um, yeah uh, i i taught as well one of my students uh, my student Josh, he's actually the music director now at this big giant mega church um, out in Southern California. Um, and this kid is like one of the sickest drummers ever, man. <laughs> this guy, I started teaching him when he was like eight years old, I think. Yeah. And I taught him for about eight or nine years. And he's just a monster player. And that music that they play at that church is like, pro level stuff, man. It is, there's no joke. It is insane. How, how, how good that band is um, that that plays there. So I, I get it. And you, and you're totally right. Yeah. The diversity of, of, of music and listening to different influences is, is crucial, you know, unless you're really like dead set on something. I know, I know a a ton of guys that are all about just, you know, uh, all metal or they're all about country or whatever. And they're great at it. They're great players at that particular thing. Um, You know, they're, uh, they got, I got a country guy that just has the greatest groove ever. Just such, he has such a great shuffle and it's perfect for country and he just kind of goes along and it's wonderful. And then jazz guys, I know. and, And then metal guys that are just super fast with all the double bass craziness. And, Um, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely cool to absorb everything you can.
0: (laughs) So what is one common myth about drumming that you'd like to debunk
1: a common myth? Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I think I, th- I I think probably the like obvious answer would be is the the perception that drummers are stupid because we're just banging on stuff. Um I love that and-
0: because that's been the majority of people who I ask that question on this podcast, <laughs> that has a- been their answer. So I love that.
1: <laughs> well, it's really funny because I, I think what happens is is we get a bad rap because we're just kind of these like beastly animals back there yeah. just pounding the crap out of the, these poor instruments um where you know where the guitar player is all finesseful and they're doing these little and we're like we like <laughs> trash in the place so i think we get a bad rap for that um uh, and again yeah I, I think it's just kind of a funny thing that that, that happens but it, it, i see these things on the internet it's like describe your job in the worst way possible right so i always put i hit things with sticks you yeah. know which is i mean that's really what it is so uh, it's kind of a funny thing. I think that's one of. I, I think the other one. Let's see what would be another another myth about drumming. Um, here's one: you're never too old to start learning to play drums. I agree. Okay. Okay. So my oldest te- my oldest student that I had uh, was a 65 year old woman. It was my mother's friend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she, she played accordion, you know, the accordion thing. She <laughs> played accordion, but wanted to learn how to play drums. And so she went out and bought a little drum set. She bought a little Pearl, little Pearl drum set. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching her. Now she had some musical background, obviously from, from right. playing accordion. So she understood, you know, note value and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy for her. As far as the counting went, she understood the the, the process And she, after a couple of years, she became an incredible, incredible drummer. And now she plays all over her town. She plays at her church band like yourself. Um, And she, she does, uh, you know, musical things for uh, stage plays and uh, little orchestras and stuff around town. So I think that's really a a, a big deal. If you want to play drums, go find someone to teach you, learn how to play drums, no matter how old you are, you know, if you're five or you're 50 or you're, whatever if you can Mm -hmm. if you can sit there and you know you can move your arms and legs then have at it so i think that's a that's an important one yeah
0: yeah i completely agree so i like to emphasize like this is the creative percussion podcast and i like to emphasize just how good of people kevin and sherry are (laughs) and just the family environment that they make this whether you're an artist or just a customer they they think of you as part of their family so what was the first thing that you got from creative percussion and your interaction with kevin your first interaction with kevin what was that like
1: um yeah i was actually gonna i was actually gonna take this interview to a u-turn and actually talk about that exact same thing so i'm glad you brought that up that's perfect um Yeah. Kevin and Sherry are amazing people. Mm Um, my first, uh, actually I think Kevin, Kevin messaged me because I was with another company, um, that he knew. And so he reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, you know, I'm buddies with so-and-so and and I've got creative percussion and I just wanted, you know, to let you know if there's anything you need, let me know and check out my stuff. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, cool, man. That's awesome. Like I, I love that approach of someone just saying, Hey man, I'm here you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm approachable. You know, I own this, this company, you know, check out my stuff, let me know. And so I went on there and I, I looked around and I saw the drum taco and I saw the video of the drum taco. And I was just yeah. like, I need that. So I messaged him like, I don't know, like an hour later, I'm like, dude, that thing is cool. Send me some, <laughs> like send yeah. me one, please. Um, so he sent me out a drum taco and uh, I used it, I think for a couple weeks and I was just in love with it. And I'm like, okay, this guy's awesome. So I wrote back to him. I said, this thing's incredible. Thank you so much. And I'm like, what else you got? You know? So we started talking a lot and, and then I started getting into the other stuff and the beaters and, and, uh, and some of the other things that, that they got going on. Um, but just them as people, I mean, they're so, I don't even know what the word is. Yeah. They're so family oriented, I think is what's really, really cool. And they, all the artists on there, they, you know, they make a big deal about everything. You know, if somebody's playing a little gig in nowhere, Missouri or whatever, you know, some little dive bar, they'll promote it, you know, they'll promote anything that's going on. They've been super awesome. Uh, When I have tours uh, going, I send our tour flyer to Sherry And she blasted all over social media as well from all the creative percussion socials, Mm -hmm. and they're just cool, man. They're just the coolest, sweetest, down to earth people. Um, I've known them now for years, but yet I've never met them in person. We just have a kind of a long distance internet relationship, Um, and so. uh, But you know, I I love those guys. They're absolutely genuine people, and. Uh, Kevin's just like this mad scientist dude in the shop and and it's amazing the stuff he comes I wish I could have everything they have you know because it's all so cool uh, everything is so cool I just unfortunately I don't really have a need for some of those things right? But but there's a lot more that I would like to get from them down the road because there are some really cool things that they have um, that I would love to experiment with you know, uh, maybe my band my bandmates will be like, what on earth is that thing? Like, what are you <laughs> what is that? You know, but I love I love the creativity and I love just I love what Kevin's doing um creatively uh with the different things that he comes up with. And it's just such a cool it's just such a cool company and and him and Sherry are just amazing people and I, I really I, I'll probably I'll probably be with them forever. Like I can't even yep. ever imagine anything where I'd be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I turn a lot of people on to the, I mean, so many people, um, I'll have other drummers come up and be like, dude, what's that on your snare drum? And I'm like, let me tell you, yeah, here we go. No. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I slam the drum taco in like everyone's face because I think it's an amazing product and, and, and the beaters as well. I really love the beaters. Those cork beaters have like saved my life practically because, of playing so long um those long three four hour gigs you know pumping a bass drum for that long you know like you know like i use i use dw pedals um you know and those stock beaters that come on the dw pedals those things are heavy
0: they really those things are. Are,
1: they're pretty heavy and they're great if you're playing a 45 minute set <laughs> yeah. you know um or, or you're, or you're 19 and you, you know, you're not beat up after 40 years of doing this. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, though the court beaters are great, man. I, I, I definitely thought that is, that was one of my favorite kind of discoveries that they had, I think as far as like physically for me, um, to help me physically play that, that was definitely a huge, a huge thing.
0: Yeah. So speaking of family too, um, as I was doing research on you in preparation for uh, this interview, I found out that we have another company in common. We both endorse <laughs> Lost Cabos drumsticks.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So Again, I, I another love, cool company. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. they
0: are the same way. <laughs> they treat everybody like family. Yep. And yep. so I know yep. this isn't a Los Cabos thing, but since we have that in common, kind of, how did sure. how did you get in touch with them and, you know, what was your experience um, like with them compared to your experience with Creator Percussion?
1: Um well I was with I was with another drumstick company uh for a while. And I again it was a small company, loved the guy, um, still still do. I, I still I still love them. Um great people and great guy. Um the problem was is that they did not offer the stick that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, and that's just, I I love maple. I'm a, I've used maple for uh, the last, what, 20 something years. Um, so I, I like maple a lot and they only, they only offered oak and hickory, which was fine. They were great sticks. They were great sticks. Um, and th- there's there was nothing necessarily wrong with them. I just I just didn't I couldn't get into the oak or the hickory. I just didn't like the feel. I don't like the way that that uh, oak and hickory chip away, make right. splinters. Um, so I just unfortunately had to move on from them. So uh, I was talking to some of my friends, and uh, I have a friend Sam. Uh, she's a pretty prominent drummer out there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's in Canada. And I said, Sam, what are you using? And she said, oh, let me tell you, you got to go talk to my guy over here. And I'm like, sure. okay. So I, uh, she gives me, she gives me the dude's email and stuff. And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, I'm a friend of Sam. Um, she said, the, she sent me your way and she said, you guys got some cool stuff. And so they sent me out a couple of different pairs to check out. Um, I fell in love with their 3A size um, which was perfect. It was almost exactly like the old Vic Firth that I used to use and I absolutely loved it. And they're just super cool. They're just super cool people as well. And I love, I love those folks too, um, very much. And they take care of me, you know, even though I'm not a big, super famous artist, um, they, uh, (laughs) they, they, they're cool and they're, they do a lot and they're, they're great people. So um i do i do love them as well they're they're a great great company and and the wood i mean i just love i love opening a new box when i get a yep. new box from them and i open it up and i get smelled out like fresh <laughs> maple and i'm like oh it's so great so anyway so that's that's yeah los cabos is, is awesome i love those guys
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean for me it's not about what i can get hey do i get free stuff versus i have to pay x amount for it you know whatever right maybe right. because for me before i endorsed los cabos i endorsed vader oh okay but i was such a small fish in a yep. huge pond <laughs> yeah yeah that it it just i i didn't feel like i was endorsing anything because i had no contact with anybody within the company right correct. I would, I Perhaps. would text my rep. I have my <laughs> rep's phone number. I would text him, get nothing. I would email okay. him, get nothing. Right. And so I, I was such a small fish that I'm still okay. on the Vader, uh, website as an artist, okay. three years removed from being a Vader artist. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, that's, that's what's important to me is I could pay full price for something and be an artist. And if I have the relationship that I have with Kevin and Sherry, if I have the relationship with right. you know whoever it is, like I have with Phil with Los Cabos or yeah. like I have with Mike and Michelle at Sledge Pad, you know, just uh-huh. on and on and on. Yeah. That's what's important to me. I'll pay full Absolutely.
1: Price for that. Absolutely. Sure. 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 Absolutely. Thankfully, I and, and... have
0: to pay full price for a, for a lot of stuff, thankfully to, Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. All of the companies that support me, but I will pay full price for something to have that relationship because that's what's important to me.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's, you know, that that's exactly right. And that, that's I think a lot of people they uh, with endorsements, a lot of the younger, younger generation, the younger guys, they they have it backwards. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you know, can I get free stuff from you? And it's like, well, that's not how that works. How this works is you play their stuff that you like for a couple of years. And then you say, hey, man, I really love this product. I'd like to be one of your artists. Mm -hmm. That's how that works. Now, in the big leagues, obviously, these guys are fighting for, you know, for positioning. So they'll approach, you know, these companies will approach these big guys and go, hey, try this out and you know they they headhunt these dudes but in the in the you know in the kind of the the B and C level stuff yeah. um you really you got to endorse something that you love you can't I, like i would never i'll I'll just tell you and i know this is going to be complete sacrilege probably from everything but i'm going to say it i hate pearl drums <laughs> 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 and you know I know that sounds insane, but I just I've played a lot of Pearl kits. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I just don't like the way they sound. And it's really weird. I have played one. I played this. Uh, it's actually it's its sitting in one of the casinos. It's a house kit uh, in one of the casino lounges here in Vegas. Um that kit actually sounds pretty cool, and it's maple, which is weird because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the uh, pearl stuff is birch or any of those, some of those harder woods. Yeah. And I like maple drums as well, but um, uh, that kit sounds pretty good. But I just for some reason I could never really get into pearl, and uh, I didn't like I didn't like their hardware. They had that big goofy thing with the pole that went through it, and right. It was just I don't know, just like so many things about them I didn't like, um, but anyway, so that's 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 that thing. But um, oh shoot, I forgot what I was saying. Dang it! Oh,
0: uh,
1: anyway, yeah. So that's one of the thing. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, not a big not a big fan of Pearl. So <laughs> right now, but i
0: understand that yeah that i i kind of this the video won't be aired i'll take clips of of the video right, right, right. person on social media but i kind of you know clutched my heart because i, I know i know i've always like, been a pearl guy okay. so but yeah i mean everybody you know to each their own um yeah. so um I'm trying to remember where I wanted to go with this myself. <laughs> I
1: know. I-, <laughs> I got us off track, man. I'm sorry. I, was I did like, too.
0: Oh, it's going I on, on, too. on a tangent.
1: But,
0: but yeah. <laughs> so, um, what is, if, if you had five minutes with an up and coming drummer and they said, I want your best advice to me, what would that advice be?
1: practice <laughs> yeah. practice um, I think it's it's tough I mean I, I think it, like if I had students right now I think mm-hmm. I, um, and it's not even just practice it's practice correctly there um, there's a lot of people out there that practice incorrectly and um, my son actually was one of those people for a long time when he was younger because he wanted to play like me and tried to play everything fast. Like I did. He just didn't have the skill level his skills weren't there yet. Um, now he's beyond surpassed me, but, um, but when he was little, you know, I would teach him stuff and I'm like, okay, here's the paradiddle, you know, and I would show him paradiddles. And then I'm like, okay. And, and so he's like, "Do it fast, do it fast." And well, I'm like, "Okay, I'll show you what it looks like fast." Here's paradiddles ready. And so he would try to do it, you know, super fast. And I'm like, "You're never going to do it." He's like, "Oh," and he get all frustrated. I said, "Here's your metronome. You're going to play paradiddles at this speed, man. Yeah. Until you play them perfect, then we'll speed it up, and we'll give you a little bit more. And then mm-hmm. when you get that perfect, we'll give you a little bit more. And, you know, so on and so forth." Um, and I think. A lot of a lot of guys disagree with this, but I also depending on what kind of drumming you're doing. But I I always play with a metronome or a click mm-hmm. um, all the time. I even perform with a click live, like that's um, and it's not so much that I want to stay mechanical. It's I use a click once you once you've been using a click for a long long time or a metronome, um, you kind of learn how to just kind of have it sit there and you kind Mm -hmm. of play around it you're not necessarily like playing on it like a machine where it's like everything's perfect um some guys do if you're playing like that real tight metal stuff and everything has to be like super perfect um then yeah of course but uh but in general i think once you once you've been you know using a metronome or a click um a lot of guys use the the metronomes that actually speak where it goes one two three four because it gives a fatter space of the note is what they mm-hmm. say, so it's not just like it's like one. So you've got this whole point from O to E to play in. So it kind of lets you feel this groove um, and not be so mechanical with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say definitely practice correctly. Practice to a metronome or a click. That's what I would I would definitely uh, I would definitely say to to my students nowadays.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. That's that's advice that I wish I had had because from I started playing drums when I was thirteen, and from thirteen to about twenty three, so for about ten years, I didn't know what a click was. I knew what it was, but I didn't know what it was.
1: Right. Did apply it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, in my first studio session (laughs) that I ever did, um, I was in the I was in the drum room, and the producer was like okay let's go and i heard this beeping in my ears and i'm like what yeah. is that like what are you yeah. doing to me and he was like that's a metronome that's going to keep you on track and yeah. i was like no i'll cut that off and he's like yeah are you sure i was like yes that's gonna throw me off because i've never played with one before yeah yeah and i could just hear the audible sigh out of the control room from him you know yeah. was like, like this is gonna oh. make my life a living hell yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, from 23 on, you know, even
1: now I don't play without a click. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got a lot of buddies that that are against that. I mean, they, mm -hmm. or they say, they'll say like, well, it's cool. It's okay to practice with the metronome, but you also need to like, not air practice not having one. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Like, I get that you need to develop like your own sense of time and all that. And that's totally, that's totally legit and, and, Mm -hmm. and valid for sure. Um, it just, I, you know, each person's different. It depends what kind of music you're doing and what you're trying to do. Um, a lot of times with, um, with my bands, we have a very specific set time Mm -hmm. that we have to fill or, and so, going under or going over time is just not something we can do so if all if all my songs all the songs we're doing are clicked they're always going to be three minutes and 32 seconds or whatever the song yeah. is it's never going to change from that so if, if the consistency of it we can go out there and we can go oh yeah we can do a 42 minute set easy yeah. because we know exactly how long each song is mm. from how we recorded it um now on occasion, there might be a song or so where we, you know, do something a little bit different. I might, I might push it up two clicks or something just to have more of a, uh, you know, more energetic feel live or something like that. But, but for the most part, everything is, everything is pretty much, you know, on the, uh, on the original uh, tempo. So.
0: Yeah. And I referenced, you know, playing in church for the last five years and um, that's how we are. I mean, we, and that's how most churches are, because a lot of these big churches who have, you know, 10, 20, whatever campuses, they, yeah, have, right. they have one preacher who preaches from the main campus. And then all the remote campuses will kind of um, log in when the service is ready, when the preacher is ready to start preaching. Oh, I see. Okay. So they like, so, like
1: simulcast it or whatever to the right. other places. Oh, okay.
0: And so all the worship bands have to be on point so i mean that's it's just one of those things now luckily we're not we're not there yet because that's you know we've we have done that before because we have a few remote campuses so we've done something like that before but yeah but it's so easy to it's so easy to flow what we call flow in that sense oh yeah um to, you know, just kind of come off of a click or build a click in or something like that. But
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. just,
0: I, I can't imagine not playing with a click now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, even like I've seen a couple dudes that just like they'll have like a little metronome app or something on their, on their phone yeah. and just to kind of make sure that they're there, they'll just use it to start the song. Like they'll, they'll turn it on and go, okay, this song's at this. And then they'll click in the band and then they, they turn the thing off and they go, it's just so the starting point to get like, get them in the right place uh, starting. So I've seen guys do that too, which is real interesting. Um, you know, then, yeah, then they can, they can still kind of gets rid of nerves, gets rid of tiredness, gets rid of, mm-hmm. you know, um, anything like that that could potentially alter you know, alter your, your perception of, of, of tempo, <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause when adrenaline hits, you know, when right. you get on stage, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you had not played a show in a year, 16 months or so. And so yeah, I'm sure yeah. that adrenaline that first show was just like up here. Oh yeah. And so just to have that to kind of say, okay, I need to be here
1: mm-hmm.
0: or yeah. whatever the case is that helps oh, yeah. so much.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, it's a funny thing. So um, in in the in the working band that I play with here in Vegas, um, uh, our first gig back, uh, our first gig back, we go out there and we're, we're getting ready to play. And there's I don't know, there's probably 1500 people out there and. Um, and yeah my my guitar play and so my the rest of my band doesn't have my click I'm the only one that has the click in my in in my in ears so my band is like so far in front of me I'm like you guys (laughs) would you lay back they're so excited (laughs) to play you know so the guitar players are like oh they're so happy and and so yeah so after like the first couple songs I kind of rain them in. I'm like, guys, lay back, man. I know yeah. you're stoked, but like, we gotta, you know, keep this together. But so that's that's kind of a funny thing. Speaking of the adrenaline thing, that's exactly what happened. Uh, our first show back, <laughs> but yeah, understandably so. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So, um, I want to be respectful of your time, of course. So I, I do want to get ready to kind of wrap up, but I sure, do man. want yeah, you yeah, to, um, to plug your socials wherever you're at on social media, uh, and then I'll add them, of course, into the show notes, but just let everybody know where they can find you and follow you and everything like that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, basically everything, all the different socials. Um, if you go to Crimson Riot Band, mm-hmm. uh, so at Crimson Riot Band on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. Um, and my other band is the Roxy Gun Project. Okay. And uh, that's my band uh, in Vegas that, uh, that performs uh, all the time. And uh, I actually actually just retired from that band. I just have uh, uh, some, a couple more gigs with them, but I just retired and my son took over that band. So, oh, wow. um, so now my son and daughter are playing together yeah. um, in that band as it, uh, before it was my daughter and I doing that for the last 10, oh, 11 years, 11 years now we've been in that band together. Um, so now my son, I'm retiring from that and my son is taking over um so that's been kind of a that was a recent thing that just actually happened not too long ago um but i'm i'm finishing off some gigs with them um uh, for now i gotta got some more stuff to to do with them before my son's completely transitioned in but but he's doing a great job he's such a great player and i'm super proud of him and and uh so anyway so check out the roxy gun project It's gun with two ends and in crimson riot band um, all over the place and we, that band tours and we go all over the place and have a great time. Uh, so I, I, I yeah, appreciate you checking it out and um, really thank you for having me, Justin. This has been cool, man. I love talking to drums to people and and, uh, and drum gear and creative percussion is yeah. awesome. <laughs> so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've loved doing this podcast. Um, this is, I think either the eight or the ninth episode of this podcast and, It's been cool just to meet fellow creative percussion artists. Absolutely. You know, and and really make what is family family. Yeah. You know, because everybody that I've interviewed on here I've stayed in contact with and, you know, became really close with. So it's it's really cool to be able to do this and just, you know, get to know everybody that's on the same roster as I am. So
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. You ever come up to Vegas, man, hit me up and we'll hang out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds great. We'll go get a pizza or something and hang out. Man. Oh yeah. That'd be cool, man.
0: <laughs> well again,
1: That's thank awesome. you for your time. And uh Hey, thank you, man. You're very this welcome. This episode thank you of so much.
0: Percussion. This episode of the Creator Percussion podcast is done.
1: All right. Take care, Justin. Thanks, brother. You too. Bye, right, man. Be well.